Welcome to the USL show. It is sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and it's brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. I am in the car on the way to Florida right now. I'm going to go down and take a look at St. Louis and maybe Cincy and uh, Tampa Bay while I'm down there as well. Um, right along with my family and things went all wrong last night. We weren't able to do the preview uh, for all the Western, a couple more Western teams lined up, but we're going to do those next week. We're going to have Carson back to talk about Rio Grande Valley, and uh, we're going to have Matthew Rafferty, who's going to talk about Reno's 1868. So uh, tune in next week, but we have a good show today, and that is uh, the GM of the Real Monarchs. had a great conversation with him. His name's Dan Egner. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be right back with him in a few seconds. Welcome back to the show. This is Phil, and I have a special guest with me here. It is the GM of the Real Monarchs, Dan Egner. Did I say that right, Dan? Yeah, you did. You, uh, most people don't, but you got it. All right. Nailed it. It's a good start. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's an honor to have you on. It's uh, the first GM I've talked to on the USL show. First GM I've talked to that isn't in St. Louis, which is where I'm from. So uh, thank you again for joining me. Uh, we're going to talk all about the team uh, and I wanted to start out with the MLS draft, super draft, because you were in that behind the scenes video that they posted um, from the MLS website. Or no, it was posted on the Real Monarchs site, right? Uh, yeah. So it was our, our RSL film crew came down and it was posted on RSL.com. And then I think the, the league might have got a hold of it and linked it as well. But uh, yeah, our video people did a tremendous job with that. It was really cool. I At first, like I said, I thought MLS put it out, and I was like, I can't believe they gave them this much access. Uh, but you guys put it out, and I thought it was extremely cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post that today after you know I let everyone know that we talked. Um, was that kind of scary, having them around all the time? Did you have to edit a lot of stuff out? No, it, it actually, uh, we're very tight with our PR and video people. Um, so they're around all the time. We have no problem with it. Uh, they're great to work with. They're used to some of the crazy things that that we say from time to time um and there's also a not safe for work version of that video that they made for us uh that the public will not see but um yeah no it's a, it was a good experience and they're just great to work with that's really cool and uh i've started uh referring to the super draft as the uh hashtag usl super draft because man a lot of those players no matter who they are except for maybe the top few um, could have a pretty good career the, the first year in USL, honestly. Um, and obviously you're there for that reason, I would say. How much are you guys going there and you're putting in your uh, input in order to try to get those kids down to USL? Yeah, it, it plays a, a big part in, in what we do and, and kind of how we view the draft. Um, if you're kind of you know outside of the top seven or eight, um, you know, it, it gets a little tough. And, and historically, when you look at the draft, when you look at uh, the 2017 draft and now after that, the one season has passed, um, once you get past the first round and even halfway through the first round, a lot of those players are no longer in the MLS. Um, some of them aren't even in USL anymore. Mm. And uh, it's quite interesting. If you go back and look this year, there were 14 players, I believe, who were at the Combine, participated in the Combine, and did not get selected uh, in any round of the draft. And so, yeah, I think you, the USL plays a big part in the draft now. Um, it, we're looking at it, if we're outside the top seven, realistically, whoever redraft, even if they're on an MLS contract, 
going to see significant minutes with the Monarchs. Um, you know, it's a big adjustment from the college game to the professional game. It takes time for those kids to adapt, and the USL is a great place for them to do that. Uh, you know, they're playing against grown men every day, and the season is much, much longer than their three-month college season, which is an adjustment as well. You get to about June, and some of those college kids are really struggling because they've never played in a season like this before. Um, so it, it takes an adjustment, and, and we're seeing the USL get better every year, and I think it, each year it, it's going to become a little tougher and tougher for these kids coming out of college to, to make an impact in, in this league. Yeah, I've seen that slowdown, that June slowdown in some of the newest pros um, definitely more than once. And, uh, you know, I want to skip down in our notes here because I'd like to just talk about now, like what, how do you view, how do you guys approach, what is the vision for the Monarchs? Is it something where you're, you're focusing on trying to get youth minutes or those super draftees um, minutes to try to see if any of those uh, lottery, you know, ticket guys are trying, are going to work out? Or do you see that as... Obviously, the club was very successful this last season, all of a sudden, kind of. Um, do you see it as, man, well, let's, let's try to win with this team and put the best 11 out every day? So it's, it's to be honest with you, it's a combination of the both. Mm-hmm. So our goal, and this comes straight from our owner, is to develop players for the first team and to win. Mm-hmm. And both are equally as important. And I know people, a lot of times when I tell them that, they laugh. And it's a very tough task to try to do both. Um but it's important to him, so it's important to us. And, you know, we struggled the first two years a little bit. Uh, we had a lot of ex-academy kids, a lot of younger guys, and we really missed that professional experience. And with that look, the best way, he kind of reevaluated after year two and said, look, at the best way to develop is to win. Uh, these kids need to learn how to be winners. And so we kind of restructured our approach and went after some USL veterans, proven winners, leaders, guys who've succeeded in this league and kind of surrounded the guys that we wanted to develop with those guys. And so when we build the roster, we know, okay, we're going to have X, this guy, we're signing as a homegrown with the first team, this guy and this guy, A, B, and C, and these guys need minutes. So we're going to shape our roster around those guys. So say, you know, we have a, a right back, who we sign as a homegrown, who we need to develop and get minutes. I'm not going to go out and sign a veteran USL right back because that player is not going to play because I need this homegrown to get minutes. But that doesn't mean that the two center backs and the left back who's paired with them on that back line aren't going to be those proven guys. Mm. So we approach it as, okay, these are the guys that we've identified in these positions that we want to develop, and let's surround them with players who are proven veterans, winners, who still can have a chance at making MLS, but we know our proven commodities in this league. Yeah, it was one of my favorite parts, uh, partially for bias reasons. I was following Mark Segbers because uh, he's from St. Louis, um, that right back from, uh, now, now I'm blanking, Indiana, right? Anyway, he, uh, I liked that conversation you had. It was exactly that, where you're like, we have this right back that we believe in and we can pick up this guy or not, you know, and, and I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, it was... Uh... That was one that we'd had all week, including the day of the draft, and, and we looked heavily at right backs. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we have Aaron Herrera, mm-hmm. who we view as a very important piece uh, to this club and someone that can be an MLS starter for us for the next 10 years. Uh, so the Monarchs are a big part of his development. Without a doubt. Well, let's talk about the Monarchs. Like I said, uh, 
you guys went from being kind of a, a lower tier team um, in the in the in the standings to being you know obviously very good throughout the season. Last season, uh, tell me about last year and and the big changes you made. You may have just covered it, but was, was there something that really put you guys up to the top this year? Uh, I I honestly think it was a combination of things. Um, we definitely approached the roster in a different way, um, and we were very fortunate in we got our top one or two targets in every single position that we went after. Hmm. Um, and that usually does not happen. And so we were fortunate in that regard. Uh, the group came in early and gelled very quickly. Um, obviously at the start of the season, Mike Pecky was the head coach with Mark as his assistant and they hit it off better than we could have ever imagined. They were inseparable. Um, they still are talk every single day. Their offices are right down the hall from each other now. Um, but Mike and Mark had a clear vision and a lot of that was accountability and goals and the guys bought in right away. Um, we had a very good preseason and we thought, okay, we're, we're going to be good. Uh, our goal was to make the playoffs and very quickly, you know, when the, the real game started, um, we just kept getting results and we kept winning and we were playing attractive soccer and playing the way we wanted to. And once that kind of kept going after the first two months, the guys really bought in and thought, hey, we can do something special. And, you know, once Mike <clears throat> departed for the first team, Mark stepped right in and galvanized the group, never missed a beat. And the guys just believed in, in what him and his staff were, were saying every day and got the best out of that group. And it didn't end the way we wanted to, but it, you know, at the end of the day, we took home a trophy and we signed three guys up to the first team uh, from the start of last season through this preseason, um, which I always tell people, we, we signed up three guys and we won a trophy. It's tough to ask for a better year than that. No kidding. Uh, you hit a lot of really cool things there, and I want to stop you and go back to, you know, you got your first and second pick throughout the roster. Does that... Uh, that's pretty great. Does that mean you guys kind of found some diamonds in the rough, or did some some other teams maybe miss out on some guys? Perhaps. Um, Does it I, come down to I scouting? Think, Is your scouting I, better, in your opinion? Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say we have a lot of people in this building who watch a lot of USL. Hmm. Um, and, and in our opinion, to be successful in this league, you really need to know the league, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. You have to know the players, watch them week in, week out, and so that plays a big part in it. Um, and also just getting on it early, connecting with the guys you're going after and really selling what, what we have to offer. And I think now that we're in this brand new facility, um, it makes my job a lot easier to get guys to come in here. Um, but yeah, it's just selling the opportunity. We have a good track record of signing guys up. Um, and you know, after this past season with the success, um, it's, it's becoming a very attractive place for guys to come and try to get that push to make an MLS roster um, or can just continue to develop their career at the USL level. Definitely. And um, you were talking about winning and, and, you know, winning throughout the season, but then things not going well in the end. Is there something that you guys are going to try to do to make the playoffs go a little bit better this year? Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we would change our approach at all or change anything. It, uh, you know, playoffs are always kind of a crapshoot, and on that day, just it just wasn't our day. You know, Sacramento came out, 
Um, the first half played out very similar to the game we played at their place a month back. Um, and we never really just got up to speed. And, and then you get to penalties, and you never know what can happen there, and, and it didn't fall our way. But, uh, no, I think now that our guys have, you know, the core group that we brought back, have that playoff experience, have that big game experience, um, maybe the nerves won't be be there as much this go-around if we're fortunate enough to get back. Whole heck of a lot of penalties in the Western playoffs last year. You're just going to have the guys yeah. defend and, and put in penalties all uh, right before the playoffs start? <laughs> Man. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. Is penalties all over the place. So. It was crazy. Um, well, to get through uh, to improve this team, uh, you guys kept a, a large core of the team that you had last year. Can you talk about your players that, that you kept? Maybe talk about some that, that headed out? Sure. So... Um, you know, some of the guys, we, we had two guys make the, you know, first team best 11 in Chandler Hoffman and Sebastian Velasquez, and they're extremely important in everything that we do um, with the Monarchs. And at the end of the season, we sat them down and had very frank and honest conversations with them and both wanted to be back here, um, whether that was with the first team or with the Monarchs. Um, so we're beyond thrilled to have, have those guys back. They're difference makers, um, and they would be on any club. And so we're fortunate to to have them back, and we're happy that they wanted to be here. Do you foresee getting them a lot of minutes with the senior team or kind of filling in if there's an injury? What do you see for them? So we actually tried to loan them up last year for our Open Cup game, <laughs> and due to some questionable uh, MLS rules, we were not allowed to due to some age restrictions, uh, um, which was frustrating. Um, but you never know. I mean, our first team roster is looking pretty good at the moment, um, but you know, you never know what can happen, and they we catch some injuries or whatnot, then, then we'll have to reevaluate. And obviously the first place we always look is internally. So, uh, yeah, well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what lies for them down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I mean, outside of those two guys, we also brought back Andrew Brody, who's been with us for two years, Academy Prada, um, very high work rate, very reliable. Um, excited to have him back as well. Then on the back line, um, obviously we signed Taylor pay up to the first team at the end of the year. But we have James Moberg and Michael Gallagher, who really, I can't give those guys enough credit, um, exceeded all expectations last year in the best way possible. Uh, two guys who come in, work their socks off every single day, great in the locker room, and that translated on, their hard work translated onto the field last year, and we couldn't be happy to have those guys back. Um, then we brought back Andrew Putna, um, who will obviously battle with Connor, who's now with the first team as well, for some minutes this year, but... Once again, Andrew, his development from the start of last season to the end of it um, might have developed the most out of anyone on our roster. He stepped in towards the end of the year on that big road trip uh, in Sacramento and Reno and, and kept some clean sheets and made some spectacular saves. Uh, so we're very excited to have him back. Uh, I had a few teams actually reach out to me to see if we were bringing him back. So he, uh, I think he would have been a little bit of a hot commodity out there on the market. Uh, and then in the midfield, along with Sebastian, we have Charlie Adams, USL veteran, um, leader on the field, and just when he's healthy, absolute nails out there. Uh, Carson Hanlon, uh, who was with us last year as a rookie, um, once again, another guy who really stepped up, developed over the year, and uh, it, when it mattered and he got thrown into tough situations, always performed for us. Um, you know, and then and then some guys that that we didn't bring back um, came down to. The amount of time they'd been with us, their path to the first team, um, or just 
you know, we didn't necessarily have a spot for them based on some of the guys we were going to be bringing in with the first team. Uh, um, you know, Max Lackawicki, I can't say enough good things about him, and I'm glad that he landed in Tampa, which I think is going to be a great place for him. Um, but he'd been with us for two seasons, and both sides kind of agreed it might be might be best to try something new. Uh, I think Max is a tremendous player at this level and is going to do great things for a lot of years. Uh, Kyle Karinga, another guy outside back, landed with Tampa. Uh, unfortunately, was a casualty to a homegrown signing. Um, you know, we, we have a guy in Aaron that we believe needs to get a lot of minutes. And, you know, that's not fair to Kyle to bring him back because um, to us, he's a starter at, at this level in this league week in, week out, and we couldn't guarantee him that. So um, same type of thing, just needed to try, try a new environment. Um, and, you know, and, and Daniel Haber um, really wanted to, to make MLS, and we just didn't didn't see him there with us at the end of last season. And, um, he really wanted to, to move on if that wasn't going to be the case. And, and, you know, obviously he performs on the field, but, um, we, we want to do what's right by him and felt that, that letting him move on would, would do that. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys who Chase Mittner, Riggs Lennon, Skylar Mill, um, Millie Roscoe just didn't quite get the minutes that they would have wanted. And, um, so I think just just the right time for those guys to move on as well. And I know all of them have either signed new deals or are in camps right now, um, which we're ecstatic about. I, we want all those guys who aren't back with us to continue to have successful careers and, and land in good spots and, and help them in any way we can. So I'm glad to see that they're all at least getting another opportunity. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of them are, have already landed somewhere. That's really good to hear and good to hear that you parted in, on such good terms and with the right frame of mind, it sounds like. Um, another thing uh, I wanted to bring up with, you know, getting your first and second choices, the, you know, I saw that you guys kept most of your roster, a big portion of your roster from last year. And then I think your first two major signings were Portillo and Chang and just yeah. blew my mind. I think we went crazy that episode on the USL show because, um, you know, first of all, awesome signings. And then someone posted a possible, you know, attacking five or six or something for, uh, the Monarchs. And we're just, man, that's going to look really good. But also what did you do to Charleston? <laughs> You've ruined them. Yeah. I think I, yeah. Apologies to Charleston. Charleston there. That's a, it's definitely a tough one. Um, and I know they lost a few other pieces to some other teams as well, yeah. but, um, both, uh, Chang and Portillo were guys that have been on our radar for quite some time um, and both to be honest with you happened very quickly uh, they both transpired in a short amount of time sometimes deals can take over a month to get done um, I want to say both of these took less than 72 hours um, which was, was great on our end um, but you know when, when talking with them and once again those are two guys who are proven winners in this league uh, year in year out, and just we needed to add that that bit of grit to to the core that we had, and we think they provide that. Um, you know, they both are with uh, RSL in Tucson right now uh, with the first team, two of the five guys that that made the trip down there from the Monarchs, and we couldn't be more excited for both those guys to to be with us this year, and really think they're gonna step into the the pieces that we lost and and help build this team. Yeah, definitely. Let's, let's talk about that. you got lots of players down in uh, Tucson right now. 
preseason started a while ago in the new stadium. So maybe fill us in on the new stadium and what's going on in, in preseason. Yeah, so um, yeah, our guys, Monarchs and RSL, reported together. I think it was around the last week of January, second to last week of January, uh, right after the draft, and um, held some joint sessions together uh, here. And then a couple of our guys departed with them to Tucson. Um, while the rest of the Monarchs are here with our academy and some trialists. Um, we moved into the new facility right after the draft, and it is uh, words truly can't describe uh, what this means for us and, and this facility. Uh, the stadium is nearing completion, uh, should be ready for our home opener March 31st, but uh, we're excited about it. it. I always tell people it reminds me of a, a proper lower-level stadium in England. Mm. Uh, so you have you have two covered stands, a supporter section behind one of the goals, um, state-of-the-art video board, uh, chair-back seats on, in the main stand. Uh, it's just over 5,000 seats. Um, and, you know, locker rooms, press box, the works. And uh, Zions Bank Stadium. Uh, Zions Bank is a very big sponsor of ours and, and very active in the Utah community. Um, and it's, we think, going to be one of the nicest venues in the USL. And having that intimate environment uh, is, we think, really going to help us out in terms of fan environment. And just the guys are excited about that. You know, there'd be days where we'd have 4,000 people, but you're in Rio Tinto Stadium, which holds 20,000, and, and you don't necessarily feel that effect. Whereas if you have 3,000 to 4,000 people in a 5,000-seat stadium, uh, you're really getting, getting a good environment, and those guys are going to notice that. They're excited to have a, a home of their own. Um, and we we can't wait to get in there. I'm sorry, I may have just missed it. Did you say how far it is from Rio Tinto? Oh, so it is uh, about 15 to 20 minutes okay. uh, southwest of Rio Tinto, and just a little bit more overview on the facility. So our academy, uh, RSL, and the Monarchs are all based out of here. Mm -hmm. They all have their own locker rooms, uh, training rooms, weight rooms, lounges, coaches' office. Um, you know, no no stern stone was left unturned uh, with this facility and and, and our um, amenities for these guys. Our academy kids live on site. They have their own dorms. Um, I wish I could have lived somewhere this nice when I was in college. And I, we always joke a lot of these kids are going to be disappointed when they go play college soccer because <laughs> wherever they're going is not going to be this nice. Um, we have an on-site cafeteria that feeds the guys uh, every day. And the, we have a school, charter school for our academy kids uh, on site as well. So in terms of the academy, we are, couldn't be happier for them now that they're finally here. Uh, things were always a little bit tough in terms of uh, getting players up and integrating them into the USL just because they're in Arizona. Uh, you know, you have to get flights and the kids miss school. Um, now they're just right down the hallway. Mm -hmm. So we've already had some kids involved uh, in our preseason training sessions, and we're hoping that kids that deserve it and earn it um, – we'll get some minutes and make some match day 18s and be involved more with training this year. All right. Speaking of getting uh, young kids minutes, what are um, for obviously RSL is known for playing the young players early on, you know, they were ahead of the game in that way for sure. Um, and so it's a great place to look for those young Academy kids coming up. Who are some of the guys we can look for in the USL squad that uh, might be future stars perhaps someday? Sure. So, I mean, you look, um, our academy, we're very proud of it, and we've produced a lot of professional players out of it, and we, that's something that we look to continue to do. Um, 
you know, as of now, uh, Mark and Mike talk with Martin and his staff regularly to see what players um, deserve to be involved in RSL or Monarchs trainings. And once the season starts, what guys deserve to make match day 18s. Uh, it's not something that's going to be given to them. Um, they definitely need to earn it. And, you know, just off the little short list for you of guys that, that have kind of stood out so far and have been involved a little bit and that, that we might see in some A-teams. Uh, we have uh, Duran Bebekian, um, Gladimir Mendoza, who goes by Pichu. Um, Liaz Mazin um, is a gentleman out of France who has been uh, included in some of the Monarchs training so far this year. Um, shown very well for himself. Uh, David Ochoa, promising uh, young goalkeeper who might struggle to get match minutes but should be involved in trainings and potentially match day 18s regularly. Um, it's important for him to continue developing at the academy and as a keeper. Um, nothing replaces game minutes. Um, so he's one you might not necessarily see in match day 18s because it's going to be more beneficial for him to be playing an academy match on a weekend than sitting on a bench watching a USL game. Um, two other guys, Sebastian Soto, who I'm not sure if uh, your listeners might be familiar with, but he's scoring like it's going out of style this year mm-hmm. down at the academy. And uh, Eric Verheen. Um, those are kind of the guys so far that, that have had good years, kind of stepped up and, and been training with uh, the Monarchs for a little bit and have a chance to you know, be involved this year. How many kids did you send some kids down to the summit as well? To the uh, the national team summit, pardon me, in Florida. Um, no. Okay, it was just kind not of that, not that I'm aware of. Kind of curious about that. Um, quickly, I have two more things I want to talk about. Um, and first is the rules that were released by the USL recently. Um, what are the big ones? It seems like maybe five academy players might be nice to have a fifth signing there. Uh, 48 hours notice, um, a certain amount of players are allowed to, uh, come down. I think, um, what, what are the ones that are big for you and are they good so, or bad? <laughs> the only one that, that we kind of view as a negative is, um, the match day roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be 28. It's now 23, um, which is a little frustrating. Um, and obviously that is driven more by the independent clubs, um, than it is the MLS two teams. Um, it won't change in terms of the academy. You could always have um, five academy guys signed to your roster that oh. didn't count towards your roster max. Anything over that does. Um, but the five on a game day roster, um, I don't see that impacting us too much, just because of the way we built our team. Um, I think it would take a lot of unfortunate circumstances for us to have uh, even five academy guys on a match day roster, um, and so that that won't impact us too much. And then with the first team guys, um, we'll just really have to peg out instead of casting a wide net now that we have five less spots on a match day roster, um, targeting guys that we know are going to be getting minutes that weekend or on a given game. Um, because before you could put, you know, if you have a roster of 20 USL guys, which is usually where we hovered last year, that gave me room for eight first team guys. And it's very rare that you're going to get eight first team guys, but you cover your bases, whereas this year it's going to need to be much more targeted. Um, which is fine. It just means that that we have to be on top of things a little bit earlier. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> That's something that uh, you know. Obviously, I'm I'm a St. Louis guy, so I'm from an independent club. Uh, I was glad to see that rule. To be honest with you, because we've been burned by it many times, as many independent clubs have been. Um, but 
I think I wanted more. And so that kind of leads us sort of to this USL Division Three. And so um, maybe they are going to crack down more on that. Um, and I'm, I've been dying to get a point of view of a GM on whether or not you think all Division Two sides should maybe drop down to three, maybe just the two sides and then leave the hybrid sides up. What What would you guys, or I know you've had that conversation, what is your point of view on all of that? Uh, so obviously I look at it solely from a soccer side of things. Uh, and from a soccer standpoint, um, where we want to stay Division Two, our owner is committed to staying Division Two. The season is going to be longer. It aligns with the MLS schedule. Um, it is easier to attract players, and it gives us more games in a year to develop guys, and it's a higher level. Um, there's a lot to be said about our guys going into a Sacramento, a San Antonio, or you know, if we ever were to go in the East, a Cincinnati, and play in front of a real crowd with real fr- fans against grown men. Um, that you know, that is something that is critical to development, and we don't want to lose that. Um, I know that there are some rumors and, and grumblings of some MLS teams dropping down. Um, I think there's a a balance, and it, it's no right or wrong way. Um, but the way that we approach our USL team, um, for us, it's Division Two is the only way to go. Um, I think there's probably a few other MLS two sides that would agree to that and view it that way. And I think there's a few others that would be perfectly happy with division three. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw some drop down and some stay up. Um, and you know, I, I think we'd be in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's up to each team and from a soccer standpoint, how they want to approach it and what they want to do. Um, but for us, there's, there's nowhere else we want to be, but division two. Yeah. You almost kind of, you know, drew the line in the sand when you built that facility, because that, that seems to be the the drawing line perhaps between, you know, do we want to pay for this large facility to be Division Two sanctioned, among all the other things involved with that, um, or do they just want to send them down to D three and get them minutes that way? I think you guys made your intentions pretty clear there. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, when that the stadium plans were being built, um, we made sure every step of the way to to ensure that our stadium was Division Two compliant, um, and and that was a big deal. Um, obviously, moving out there that that the stadium hit all the requirements. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that kind of signals our intentions in terms of division. Very cool. All right. Well, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? No, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. And uh, excited to be your, your first um, GM <laughs> guest, if you will. At and, least uh, in the 2.0 version. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I know they've talked to guys before, but man, it was an honor to have you, sir. Thank you for joining me. Thank you again for listening to the USL show. We would like to thank our sponsors at Soccer Loco. You can click our banner at uslshow.com, theuslshow.com. And if you follow that to soccerloco.com, you can check out soccer gear for you and your family. They have men's, women's, and kids uh, products. They have jerseys of a lot of the major uh, teams. So do go and check that out and definitely use that banner on our website if you'd like to support the uh, podcast as well. Uh, but that's not our only sponsor, flyer of MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Like I said, tune in next week. We'll have another preview for you, and we'll keep plugging along. Thanks for listening.